Hello, and welcome to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. I'm Gary Leland, your host, and yes, I am a boomer. I'm a Bitcoin boomer. But this show is not just for boomers. This show is for anyone who's interested in Bitcoin. Let's make that clear, and which I definitely am. Now, one of the things I want to go over today is you've all heard of ATMs, automatic teller machines. I know you've seen them. Every place has one, banks, grocery stores. I remember when they first came out in the 70s. They were so neat. I could pay them money to get my money without them having to pay someone to give me the money. Um, that was a win-win-win for the banks. But now, today, we're not going to talk about ATMs. We're going to talk about BTMs. That's right, Bitcoin teller machines. You see, BTMs are out, and you can go to a BTM and get Bitcoin. But the thing about BTMs, like ATMs, they're big, clunky machines that cost a lot of money, take up room in the store, uh, blah, 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 blah. But today, we're going to talk about to Akeem Fernandez about Azteco and their Bitcoin voucher system. That's right. This is like a BTM in your hand. It's a Android phone, wireless phone, basically hooked up to a printer. And with this device, you can deliver Bitcoin to people. It prints a receipt with a QR code, and you can deliver Bitcoin to people. But you don't even have to have this machine. You can have just an Android phone, an iPhone, an iPad, an Android pad, and do the same exact thing. And if someone wants to, uh, you want to help make it easier for people to get Bitcoin, you simply run the website on the device, the phone or the tablet. You get a QR code. When you say you punch in $100, you get a QR code. That person can scan the QR code with their wallet, with their Bitcoin wallet, and voila, they have Bitcoin in their wallet. It's as easy as that, and that is just one of the things we're going over in today's conversation. So stick tuned with us today as we talk to Akeem Fernandez about BTMs, about Azteco, about El Salvador and what Bitcoin is going to do to the country and what Bitcoin could do to the rest of the world and why Bitcoin can't be stopped. We have a great conversation today. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's a must-see conversation. After you watch this show or listen to this show, please, I'm asking you now to share it with your friends. We need to get the world in the Bitcoin standard, and we need to educate them about Bitcoin and this episode does a great job. We'll be back right after these words from our sponsor. Yeah, I love coming to Bitblock Boom because it's like it's like Mecca for Bitcoiners. Like everybody here is like part of the hardcore like inner sanctum. Um, you just have these conversations with everybody where like you can see it in their eyes that they believe the same things that you believe. You come to Bitblock Boom once, you're gonna come every year. Speakers are great. The networking is great because you know, that's really what it's about when you're a, a Bitcoiner, especially when you're a new Bitcoiner, is you want to network with as many Bitcoiners as you can learn because there's so much information, not only about Bitcoin, but about money in general. Hey, so I'm down here at BitBlock Boom and what energy, what a lot of fun. It's all Bitcoiners and uh, just good people. That's the one thing that, that all my interactions that I've had with people, you can tell you're just dealing with a culture of people that just want to make the world a better place. So if you want to come to a Bitcoiner conference, not a crypto conference or a shitcoiner conference, if you want to come to a Bitcoin conference, you would come to Bitblock Boot.
And welcome back to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. I'm your host, Gary Leland. And today we have a great conversation, as I told you earlier, about a subject I'm interested in. Well, I'm interested in most subjects with people we talk about, but I'm really interested in this subject. This subject is about the Azteco company, um, which to be upfront with everyone, I am a small investor in this company. So I wanna make sure that's clear. I'm not trying to fool anyone, but our guest today is Akin Fernandez, CEO of Azteco. Akin, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, Thank you for having me. Yeah, I have a a question for you. What is Beautyon? That's your Twitter handle. Every time I see that, I always go, what is that? So I want to get that out of the way there. What what is that? that, uh, Does that mean something in a language I'm not familiar with, or is that a nickname, or? Well, it's the name of one of my, it's a name that I used to perform under when I was uh, doing electronic music many, many moons ago. So I just brought that over to my Twitter account as something to call myself instead of using my own name. And the profile image? <laughs> the profile image, it's funny, people ask me about that profile image. Uh, it's uh, its a piece of artwork that I made uh, in, actually, this is about the 19, mid 1990s, as a part of the um, record label that I was doing. There were many pieces of artwork, and it was something that's lying around that I decided to use as my avatar for social media. And that's how it came about. It's nothing uh, mystical or, or special, it's just a piece of artwork that I did that seemed to fit into the box. Every time I see it, I think it's a guy with like one of those red uh, Russian hats on, you know, so I never knew it. I know that's not how most people start at an interview asking about Twitter handles and Twitter profiles, but inquiring minds want to know. Uh, before we go any further. Indeed. Before we go any further. You're not the first one to ask. So people do want to know. People are curious about that. Hey, before we go any further, how about give us a short, uh, for people who may not be familiar with you, a short uh, rundown or a bio. Uh, who is Akan Fernandez? Well, I am a software developer. I've been working in software since uh, 2001. And before that, I used to run a publishing company called Erdal, which is famous for uh, doing a quadruple CD of espionage uh, number stations. And basically now I'm a full-time software developer and running the company uh, Azteco, which makes it super easy to get Bitcoin. That's uh, the beginning and end of it. Well, that's a good uh, description there. Um, And see, and um, not only, like I said, have I invested a little bit, but I have uh, one of your machines. I'm actually making it easy for people to get Bitcoin. And I guess now I know how to describe what I'm doing with this machine, making it easy for people to get Bitcoin. So thank you. See, you're helping me out and educating me at the same time on this interview. So this was a two-purpose uh, interview that I did for my own purposes, my own education. A lot of times these interviews are an educational thing for me as well as my uh, viewers and listeners. Um, How did you actually find out about Bitcoin? I don't care when, I don't don't care the amount, but what was your kind of orange pill moment? Would you mind sharing that with us? Absolutely. Uh, Back in the uh, 1990s, uh, I had the... uh, the chance to run across something called Xiaomi and eCash. 
And this was before the internet was widespread in the household. But this was the first attempt to make a digital-only money that was available on the internet uh, in, in a way that was almost peer-to-peer. And because of my background, I was interested in the, the nature of the dollar, having been uh, informed on a day that uh, I'll never forget that my father dis- uh, described to me what fiat currency is. And so since that day, I was looking for some way to put software together and use computers to make a sound money that was uh, ideally based uh, backed by gold because gold is actually money. So that's how I got into the idea of digital money. And when the, the e-cash company went away, I put that uh, my interest in that aside and then uh, went on to just do uh, a sort of SMS uh, software projects and things like that uh, with my new software skills. And then I came across the idea of Bitcoin. I came across Bitcoin as a, uh, a tool. And this is back in, I think, November 2010. And I started to play around with it. And because I had experience with uh, Xiaomi and eCash and DigiCash, I knew that this could actually be the solution to how to put money onto the internet in a sound way. Because I've been playing with things like Nutella, uh, uh, Napster, and BitTorrent to move files around from A to B. And this, it was clear to me, was a way of moving money around in the same way that people move files around through these peer-to-peer systems. So if Bitcoin was actually peer-to-peer and worked like Napster and Nutella and BitTorrent, then it would be uh, a world force for good that was unstoppable. So I downloaded the client and mined a couple on my domestic PC equipment. Back then, it was super easy to mine. And I realized that this really was a big thing. It really did work as advertised. And uh, it had an API in it, which which meant that you can uh, write software against it to create any kind of service that you can imagine. So... Uh, that's how I got into the uh, into Bitcoin. I've had a long experience in the problem of the form of money that people use, and so I'm pre-prepared. I was predisposed to um, accepting Bitcoin at face value. Well, um, that is, uh, you've been in this a long time. That you you probably have been in this as long as anyone I've ever met. Now that I'm thinking about it here. Um, let me ask you one more question, really. It's one of those personal questions I, I ask. Uh, in your words, and you have like three minutes for this, so take your time. What is Bitcoin? For those who may not know, what do you, what does uh, Akin say Bitcoin is? Well, uh, this is a super interesting question. And the way the question is framed is important. If somebody asked you, uh, what is water? you'd be able to describe what water is uh, in great detail. And even though people have different uh, ideas in their mind of what water is, what water is for, for example, I have a glass here that has water in two forms, ice and liquid. And so if you ask somebody who is a bartender, you say, well, water is ice and water is liquid. We used to make drinks. So with Bitcoin, there is a base nature of what it is. Bitcoin is a database. That's not my opinion, that's not my perspective, that's a fact. And built on this uh, database is the idea that you can have a digital money. 
That's what Bitcoin is. It's a database that you can use to record anything. People agree that they're going to use it as a form of money. And so everybody says Bitcoin is money. Of course, it is money when you use it as money, but it can be used to record anything. So that's what exactly and precisely what Bitcoin is. It is a database and nothing more than that at its base level. Okay. And Good it's very important, by the way, that we, we, we call Bitcoin what it is because this is going to prevent legal attacks on Bitcoin businesses who are being misclassified as money transmitters and everything else. So it's very important for us to call Bitcoin exactly what it is in the legal sense. And of course, people have analogies and they use that to help them sell services. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're going to ask a serious question in a serious context about what Bitcoin is, you must say it is a database. Okay, that's, uh, I haven't had that answer, but that answer makes complete sense to me when you put it in those terms, especially um, when you say that that's what we need to call it to prevent uh, issues down the road, I guess, basically. Um, we're gonna take a break in a few minutes and when we come back, we're gonna talk about Azteco. But before we get into that, we can end up this segment, we have about 40 seconds here. Where did the name Azteco come from? See, I'm into these names. <laughs> Where'd that come from? <laughs> well, when I was developing the software for Azteco, I had some uh, spare domains that I bought on speculation that they were going to be uh, very valuable in the future. And one of them was eroti.co, and uh, another one was azte.co. So I had these two domains, and I picked Azteco instead of erotico, as that was uh, more commercial. Well, there you go. That's a good answer. <laughs> I want to know these weird details. Hey, we'll be right back after these words from our sponsor with a kid for Nick. And welcome back to the show. We're having a great conversation today with Aken Fernandez from Azteco. And uh, Aken, thanks again for joining us. I appreciate it. I want to get into talking about, though, Azteco now. Um, Azteco is um, a way to make buying Bitcoin easier. Um, let's, let's talk about the company. Um, people get from the company, uh, or from anywhere, the company, y'all offer them, it's no secret, that people can buy these printers uh, from you, but they can get them anywhere, I guess, and they're not, they don't have to get them from you. Um, maybe they do, I don't know. Um, but I want to get into what the printers do, what Azteco does. I just want, I want to go through the whole, the whole kit and caboodle. If you, <laughs> that sounds like an old term, does it? Kit and caboodle. Let's get, but let's go into the whole kit well, and caboodle. <laughs> sure. Well, the, the R terminal you have there is one of our, uh, vendor terminals. And what it is, it's an Android phone in an enclosure with a thermal printer. Now you can print Azteco vouchers from a laptop with a laser printer, or you can use your iPhone or Android with no printer. What these things all deliver in common is a QR code. And that's the QR code that we use to uh, deliver the service to the end user. So as long as you can show that QR code, it doesn't matter if you show it on a, a, a piece of wood a phone that can scan that QR code, if it's burned into a piece of wood, will be able to redeem one of the vouchers. So this uh, orange terminal is a convenience. 
it's a uh, something that people can understand, including the piece of paper that comes out of it, so that they uh, understand the process of what's being sold to them. Everybody's, everybody's used to buying a, uh, a gift card or top-up voucher where they have to scan something, and this is no different to that, both in terms of the, the function and in the, the, the legal sense as well. So that's what we've done. We've reduced the complexity of Make it, giving access to Bitcoin down to this most simple level. If anything was taken out of the uh, Azteco system, it wouldn't be able to work because everything that is in there is absolutely required. There's nothing in there that is not required. And I think this is a, uh, a unique approach, which has allowed us to spread to over 500,000 outlets globally. And Without a system that's simple like that, you don't, you can't get a frictionless delivery method that will allow people to spread uh, the service everywhere. Now, if we had decided to manufacture giant ATMs, uh, we'd have to manufacture those ATMs. We have to deliver them. They cost, I don't know, about 30000 each. And the rate at which that those can spread is much smaller than a virtual terminal for want of a better description, that runs on your iPhone or Android that you can just sign up for with a form online. Now, once you have that uh, Azteco vendor account on your phone, you can literally carry it in your pocket and sell an unlimited amount of Bitcoin to whoever you meet who has uh, a, a Bitcoin wallet on their phone to scan the QR code. So we've also removed all the uh, physical hardware requirements for uh, selling Bitcoin. And this is very, very important because we want to spread into the market very quickly. And also, this is, this is another uh, fascinating aspect of it. When we integrate with a uh, supermarket that has many outlets, our API allows them to integrate with us and sell our vouchers through their existing point of sale devices. So it's software all the way down not only in Azteco as in the delivery system, but the, the, the idea of Bitcoin itself, which is just another kind of software. It's not money. And the reason why people have uh, made ATMs to sell Bitcoin is that they've conflated Bitcoin with money. And in the past, of course, what do you go to an ATM to uh, extract, to extract money? So it, in the minds of people who don't really understand what Bitcoin is, of course, you're going to make an ATM for Bitcoin because Bitcoin is money and what you need is an ATM that doesn't dispense, dispense cash, an ATM that dispenses Bitcoin, whereas that is not the case. If you start from the correct initial uh, conditions and initial assumptions, you come up with an idea like Azteco where we don't have to deliver anything physical. We are not dealing with money at all. It's just a database. And so we can sell access to it using only a web page. And that's essentially what's used to uh, deliver these Bitcoin vouchers, vouchers in that orange terminal. It's a web page inside that device. And of course, API users don't have to have even that web page. It's all done programmatically, machine to machine. And this is the, the great breakthrough in the money of the internet, that it's money mediated by machines. It's machine to machine money. And all of the uh, advantages of that, the increase in speed, all of the uh, removal of friction is going to make uh, global e-commerce orders of magnitude more efficient and also 
you must bear in mind that Bitcoin eliminates payer fraud because it's a push system. That means that all the people all over the world who are currently uh, being given the privilege of access to credit cards, but who can't use them outside of their own country, can now make purchases anywhere in the world where the payment is absolutely guaranteed. That means e-commerce sites in the United States can offer their services to anybody in the continent of Africa or anywhere else with the absolute guarantee that the money that they get sent in the form of Bitcoin cannot be revoked and cannot be fraudulently sent. This is going to uh, change the bottom lines of many, many uh, services that are using uh, credit cards to accept money. Credit card fraud as a a charge on the the balance sheets is going to disappear because that's going to be sold entirely by Bitcoin. So even in that one uh, aspect, Bitcoin is something that should be accepted by e-commerce companies everywhere on earth because of the savings from the elimination of payer fraud. And then, of course, there are all the other advantages of it, which are the economic advantages, the advantages that Bitcoin doesn't inflate, and all those other, um, well, academic uh, side effects, which are equally important but are not important to the consumer. The consumer and business um, aspects of Bitcoin are super valuable as pure, simple uh, additions to business processes. And it should, be, it should be adopted on that basis only. So anybody who's against this, against Bitcoin, doesn't really understand the advantage it's going to give to business. And of course, the first country to accept Bitcoin on its own terms is going to attract all the businesses that do the Bitcoin processing work. And of course, those businesses are going to be taxed in that jurisdiction, not in the jurisdiction where they have um, terrible, terrible laws like the Lewis Gaylord bill. And those countries are going to prosper while Bitcoin denying countries are not going to prosper. Everybody's going up to Bitcoin. It's going to happen just like BitTorrent uh, file sharing is, is still going on and it hasn't been stopped. So Bitcoin is going to become the money of the internet. Processing it is going to be a lucrative business. And anybody who uh, is in charge of a democracy or, uh, or even a monarchy who wants their country not to be vassalized needs to accept Bitcoin for what it is, start accepting Bitcoin as a way to pay taxes and let entrepreneurs settle there, do business in a totally regular way, and then bring all the advantages of Bitcoin through that country's ecosystem. This is very important. And it's, it's quite simple, actually, if you look at Bitcoin in terms of the, the Silicon Valley model, where all of the tech businesses and software businesses are all in one place, the same effect can happen in Bitcoin. And it looks like it's possible that the El Salvador could be that place if they play their cards right and allow people to go there and incorporate. It's not beyond the realms of possibility that El Salvador could be the, the country where all Bitcoin companies converge and the payments all route through that uh, uh, that country. What you'll get is you'll get a, a sort of Saudi Arabia kind of effect where uh, the Everything is free. The roads are paved with gold, and uh, El Salvadorans are the richest people uh, of any of any nation. That can happen. Well, 
That was quite a bit of information there and quite a bit of good information there. And I want to go over several parts of that when we come back after this break. Especially, I was going to ask you about El Salvador and you brought it up for me. So we're going to go over that and some other things that uh, Ken talked about right after these words. And welcome back to the show. I hope you're enjoying the show. And please tell your friends and neighbors and anyone else you know about this show so they can also get educated about Bitcoin. We're having a great conversation with Akin Fernandez. And I hated to go to a, a break there because um, we were right in the, in, in the good part, the meat of it there, but we have a hard break. So let's get back to it. Um, you brought at the end of your conversation, world, states, nations, moving to Bitcoin, having Bitcoin as a standard, what that could mean for them. And one of the examples I was going to bring up, but you brought it up for me, was El Salvador, where they've made Bitcoin a currency. I've already seen uh, heard interviews with people from companies that have moved their business to El Salvador because of the fact they went to Bitcoin. I know their uh, tourism is probably up from Bitcoiners going down there. So let's talk about that part of it. Um, so what, what, do you, what do you have to say about that? Let's continue that conversation real quick. Well, it appears that uh, people are moving down to El Salvador because they know that when they do business there in Bitcoin, working with this database, that they're not going to be molested by anybody or forced to go through any kind of absurd hoops, and they can serve the entire world from that country. And the side effects of that are going to be uh, several. First of all, all the property prices in El Salvador are going to go through the ceiling, as everybody with any kind of money or interest in doing business moves down there to get away from being preyed upon. And that means also that the taxes going through that country, because people who do business there will be paying taxes, corporate taxes, that means they are going to have a windfall of monies to improve infrastructure there. And you're going to get into a virtuous cycle there, a virtuous feedback loop, where the country continues to grow economically exponentially as Bitcoin from all over the world flows through there and out to other places. And of course, that money is going to be taken from other people and go to go through El Salvador. So let's say that you're uh, in a country where they decided to, an EU country, an EU country where they decided that uh, big unhosted Bitcoin wallets, which is no such thing, are not legal. All of those people in Germany, Netherlands, you name it, they're all going to be using Bitcoin services, and they're going to be based in countries like El Salvador, which are free countries. And when you pay for the services of those wallets, the companies in El Salvador are going to be making the money. So what we're, what we're going to see is a situation similar to uh, the way that the fiat dollar is in every single country and one country is issuing it with one company one country absorbing all the Bitcoin entrepreneurs, the Bitcoin will flow through that country for the advantage of those people in that country and, of course, the businesses that are based there. And all the ancillary uh, services and goods that are going to flow into that country are going to make it into one of the richest countries on earth. That is going to happen. It's not a hard prediction to make. So, if you were the uh, leader of a rival country and you didn't want 
that to that El Salvador to take that role as the leading nation on earth for Bitcoin businesses, which is going to be the business of money on the internet, then you would do anything you could to stop it from happening. Now, there are two choices uh, to, to uh, stop this from happening. And one, we know that the previous administrations of the American government is very good at. It's called assassination. They would assassinate and they would uh, do regime change and all this other Ill illegitimate, anti-American, unconstitutional stuff. Or they can make it easy to do Bitcoin business in the United States. And unfortunately, New York, with its bit license, seems to be the way that America wants to try and play this game. And that's a losing way to play this game. People do not think of New York as the go-to place to incorporate a, a new business to do with Bitcoin. And in fact, when the Chinese miners were kicked out of China because China did a crackdown on Bitcoin, they went to Texas. They didn't go to Westchester County. They didn't go to Manhattan. So it's economics is a real thing. People's incentive are a real thing, and they can be uh, you, they can be harnessed to bring prosperity to anywhere in the world where the rules are correct. And people today who are super connected are able to compare the rules in different jurisdictions and then pick the one that is good for them. And with uh, something like software, which doesn't actually require hardware to be in a single place, you can incorporate a software business literally anywhere and then run it from anywhere. So since Bitcoin is only software and not money, these businesses can be very creative, very flexible in the jurisdictions that they choose to operate in, avoiding predation, avoiding the uh, anti-Bitcoin forces of the so-called democracies that uh, are killing Bitcoin businesses in the West. So it's very encouraging that the El Salvadoran government is being so forward-looking and uh, with it, it, the interest of its people uppermost. That's actually what the, that the root of this. They're forward-looking and they have the its best interests of the, of the El Salvadoran people uppermost in their minds. That's why they've brought in Bitcoin as legal tender, because they want to get their people off of the, 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 the under the off of actually out from under the heel of fiat and onto the Bitcoin uh, as money standard so that their savings when put away will retain their value over the long term and they can get all the other advantages of using sound money. The problem that the West has had over the 20th century is uh, unsound money. The dollar has been printed out of control. It's been spent like a, a drunken sailor down the docks, and it's caused uh, uh, literally murder, mass murder to be to be to break out all over the world. This is the uh, underlying reason why Bitcoin was written to stop the uh, ill effects of fiat money destroying the world any further. And because all the incentives are aligned, that the individual gains uh, fantastically from using sound money, and then as a side effect of that, the society gains, Bitcoin is uh, a work of genius, likes of which has very, very rarely been seen. So if it is uh, when, as it propagates 
throughout the world. It's going to have the side effects that we're saying it's going to have, and the world's going to be a very, very different place. And for all of those people who are frightened or concerned about the environmental impact of Bitcoin mining, uh, they are gravely mistaken. Bitcoin is extraordinarily efficient, and for the benefits that are going to be uh, gained from the spread of Bitcoin, uh, the price of the mining uh, in comparison to those positive effects is minuscule. And we must remember that it takes less electricity to mine Bitcoin than all of the aluminum smelting that goes on all over the earth. So actually, it doesn't use a lot of electricity at all. That's an interesting fact on the aluminum smelting. Um... All right, there's a, there's a ton of things that we can come up with that use more electricity than Bitcoin. Bitcoin is so far down the ladder for what it provides that it's almost a stupid argument to even make, um, I believe. Now, you mentioned during your conversation there that the – a couple of things I want to uh, go into. But number one, you said the U.S. government is spending money like a drunken sailor, which wouldn't be bad if it was a drunken Michael sailor. But <laughs> – but it's, <laughs> but it's not. It's not. It's a true drunken sailor. And no, nothing meant bad to uh, members of the forces who are sailors. But uh, do you think, and we only have a minute here, we only have 30 seconds. Do you think that uh, President Bukele out of um, Venezuela needs to, um, or El Salvador, excuse me, needs to watch his back? Is that what you're saying? We have uh, 30 seconds. Well, well, I, I think anybody who runs a country in South America from uh, the gentleman who runs Brazil all the way down, uh, they would be fools not to take history into account. Good point. And, and with history, um, well, you, you gave us the rundown on history and what has, that has done. And if you, can, you can really take that back and real easily find examples of that, whether it's in uh, petrodollars or regular dollars or whatever you want to call it. We have maintained our stronghold on the U.S. financial services. Um, we're getting ready to go to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more uh, with the Ken Fernandez and talk more about Azteco. So stick tuned. We'll be back in just a moment after this commercial break. Welcome back to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. I'm your host, Gary Leland. Today, we're joined by Akeem Fernandez of Azteco. Thanks for joining us again. You have you have given us so much great information. Now I want to get back into the machines. One of the things you made a statement on earlier is, of course, people can use the printers that are basically Android phones with the printer involved, but they can also just use their phone. I have uh, one of my sub-vendors that's using their telephone and hooking it up to a Bluetooth printer. Uh, to print out vouchers for people. Or you can just use your phone by itself and help people acquire Bitcoin with any of the methods. So it, it makes acquiring Bitcoin simple. It makes it easy. Just to be clear, I am an Azteco vendor. I have a page called bitblockboom.com slash BTC where people can come and find out about being a sub-vendor. Um, in other words, I, I help you manage your account and basically, you can help people get Bitcoin easier. Now, Akeem, tell me about um, vendors on Azteco, um, which I guess basically I'm a vendor on Azteco. Um, most of these are 
seem to be, I'm looking at the map on your site, and your site, it has a map of all the locations. Most of them I see of the vendors are grocery stores, stores of some kind. Um, so let's just talk uh, in that method like of, of stores. What's, uh, how does it operate for stores? Can stores, I someday see stores, I believe that you'll walk into a grocery store in the near future and say, here are my tomatoes I'm buying, here are my eggs, here's my milk, oh, and give me $10 worth of Bitcoin. And maybe their receipt will have a QR code on it from Azteco, so when they get home, they can get their Bitcoin. Um, I could be wrong, I could be right, I don't know, that's just what I'm thinking. Tell us about Azteco and grocery stores, the vendors there. You are exactly correct. And uh, in, 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 at the moment, in a grocery store like Waitrose from the United Kingdom, you can do exactly what you just described. Pay for your groceries and then ask for a voucher for EE02 or any one uh, number of the other cellular telephone providers. And then they will print out a voucher for you to redeem into your phone so you can get extra airtime. And so this is going to happen with Bitcoin as well, absolutely. You can ask for a, a, a 10 pound voucher or a 20 pound voucher and it will come out of the point of sale device and you scan it with your phone and then you get that 10 pounds worth of uh, value or whatever what you want to call it. And so this is absolutely going to happen. And these are these outlets are all API outlets. So we do an integration with the point of sale company or the supermarket company so that they can hook into our system and order vouchers on demand. When I say vouchers, they can order a voucher code or, or, or order a QR code on demand, which can be printed in the format of their own uh, point of sale receipts so that it looks like it's coming from them. And it works exactly the same way as all other uh, vouchers that get printed by their point of sale devices. And the, the important thing about these API integrations is that we can, through one integration, bring on literally hundreds of thousands of outlets in one fell swoop. So we have 200,000 plus outlets in South Africa, 200,000 plus outlets in Brazil, which I believe that are not on the map yet. And we have 6,000 outlets in Canada, where through the Canada Post system, you can walk into any Canada Post office and buy one of our vouchers. Now that's about to be turned back on, they, they, they tell us. So as soon as that's back on, we're going to announce on Twitter. But this is the way to spread Bitcoin uh, through a large geographic area without having to deliver any physical devices. It's very important to be able to do that. And API integrations is the only way to do it efficiently. Well, that makes sense. And I wasn't even aware of the API integrations. So thank you for educating me on that. Now, as a vendor, someone like me, and I know I'm the only person in the country, can have sub-vendors. Uh, can you kind of give us a brief description of, so I can hear it from you instead of people hearing it from me uh, on, on that relationship and how that works for people? Absolutely. You become a, uh, a Nesteco vendor, as you are, Gary, and inside the interface, you have a, a, a panel which allows you to onboard companies or individuals to be your sub-vendors, and then you can allocate some of your balance to them to sell vouchers through your account. And how you how you account to them in terms of them paying you 
and, and that kind of stuff. That's between you and them. So that burden doesn't fall to us. So if you lived in a town where there were a uh, hundred stores, you as the head vendor could go to each one of them, onboard them as a sub vendor by signing each one of them up, take a thousand dollars for each one of them so they could give you, uh, so you could give them credit and then they can sell vouchers on your behalf. Now, when that happens, it means that uh, one vendor has 1,000, well, in this case, 100x outlets for every single vendor that we have on board. And you can you can onboard, as we've seen with these other uh, large uh, rollouts, hundreds of thousands of sub-vendors if you have the means to onboard these people and then organize how your finances are going to work with them. So it's a way for us to in increase the number of outlets that we have, but not increase the administrative burden that we have to manage all of these um, outlets. And that's exactly how the, uh, the system works. Well, I'm excited about uh, having a relationship with you guys. And it's amazing. Anytime I go to a meetup meet and I pull out my printer, People come over and they start inquiring about it, and they want to want to get on board. So, um, just so everybody knows, if you are interested in joining me on my network, I guess basically we'll call it as a sub vendor. You can find more information at bitblockboom.com/slash/btc. Now, before we uh, end this up, again, is there anything? I know you have um, your Medium page. Uh, you want to tell people about that and tell people where. Uh, they can follow you and keep up with you. We have about uh, two, two and a half minutes left. Okay, well, I have a uh, Twitter account, which, uh, for, for, well, for good or bad, is a very famous Twitter account. And that's at, uh, at Beautyon underscore. That's where you can find me on Twitter. And then the Azteco Twitter account is A-Z-T-E-C-O -E underscore. And I have a Medium page, which you can find from the header of my uh, Twitter account. And there you'll find all my writings on Bitcoin since 2010, uh, predicting many of the things that are happening today in, in Bitcoin. And occasionally now, I will write a new piece, like I just have about the Gaylord Loomis bill, uh, which is a very troubling thing. So that's the way to keep up with us. We announce all new things to do with Azteco like the new outlet uh, we have in the Philippines with a, uh, a gaming company, which is super exciting with dozens and dozens of ways to pay. And we'll announce all these things on our Azteco Twitter account. And if you're interested in the bickering and uh, Bitcoin philosophy, you follow the Beauty on account. Well, that sounds like a pretty good uh, set of instructions there. You know, I want to let you know, I really enjoyed meeting you. We had, we had never met before or even talked, but I think we've had a great conversation, and you've educated me quite a bit. So I want to thank the Muzz Man for hooking us up and putting us together so that we could have this conversation. You know, I think these are all important conversations and topics that people really need to know about, whether they're highly educated on Bitcoin or not. Because I agree with you, Bitcoin is definitely here to stay. Um, it's not going anywhere soon. It's going to be. I, I like the example you made about the um, BitTorrent, uh, how they've been trying to get rid of that, and that's still here and doing strong. And they've really worked on getting rid of that. That's exactly right. Once these peer-to-peer -peer, uh, technologies are released into the wild, it's literally Pandora's box uh, being opened, and it can't be closed again. 
But I think it's important to characterize Bitcoin as a positive for society. Sound money is the basis of a sound economy and a peaceful uh, a peaceful world, actually. So Bitcoin escaping into the world, becoming the, the world's only money, is going to, to uh, have a side effect of global peace. And that's not an exaggeration. That's a fact. And that is a fact. I agree with you completely. Um, thank you again for coming on the show. I do appreciate it. I look forward to meeting you someday, maybe someday. We'll get you to come down to BitBlock Boom in Austin. Um, I have no idea where you live, nor do I care. But someday, hopefully, you'll come to BitBlock Boom, and thanks again. And we'll be right back after these words from our sponsor. So stay tuned. And welcome back. We had a great show today. I, I always think it's a great show when I learn something. But... I learn stuff all the time, so maybe we always have a great show as far as I'm concerned. Hey, I do want to take the time and thank you. I want to make sure and thank again for coming on the show. That was really, uh, like I said, I, I really enjoyed today's interview. But thank you for joining the show and with us and watching. And like I said earlier, make sure and share this show with your friends. I don't care if they've been in Bitcoin forever or they don't know anything about Bitcoin. This show will teach them something. Hopefully, that's the plan at least ways. Maybe you won't become an expert at Bitcoin by watching the show or listening to the podcast, but you will gain a basic knowledge that if someone's talking to you and says, hey, what is Bitcoin? Do you know? You will know the answer to what is Bitcoin. Do want to tell you about a few things to check out. Number one, check out my conference, bitblockboom.com. It's in Austin, Texas, a great Bitcoiner conference. And I say Bitcoiner conference because it's not a blockchain conference. It's not a cryptocurrency conference. It is a Bitcoin conference. Also, I want you to check out the book I've written uh, with some friends of mine called Bitcoin and the American Dream. This is a great book also, I feel. It was a project done by eight writers. This book you can read on a flight. You can read it traveling hour and a half, two hours on a flight, and this will give you a certain, certainly give you a great knowledge about Bitcoin and really help fill in those spots or questions you may have. So check that out, Bitcoin and the American Dream. Also, don't forget to check and look at bitblockbarbecue.com. That's right, bitblockbarbecue.com. If you live in Texas or anywhere near Texas and you like Bitcoin and you like barbecue, this is the thing for you, bitblockbarbecue.com. We do it once a month in Dallas, Texas at a great barbecue restaurant. So check that out. And I do want to remind you to check out my newest project, BitBlockBTC. That's right, BitBlockBTC. We talked about it earlier in the show. It's at bitblockboom.com slash BTC. So don't forget to check that out if you're interested in Azteco in signing up for the program, becoming a uh, voucher distributor, I guess we would say, or making it easy for people to buy Bitcoin. Check out that site right away. I do appreciate you coming on the show. I do appreciate you taking the time, and I hope you come back and join us on next week's show when we have Tone Vase coming on. So Tone is an old friend of mine, runs the Unconfiscatable Conference. I think you'll enjoy this interview. So we'll see you next week, same bat time, same bat channel, and don't forget to stack those sats.